0: I'm Craig Clark I'm with Matthew Keelan in Fausto Matthew's just got back from Southend how was it? It was a great weekend as well great day but a terrible performance which leads us on to Sunderland's worst ever league position in their entire history fifth in the third division league one Um, we're going to have a quick look at the playoffs how they're shaping up the form of the teams going into it but I think what we decided was, given one of the op- potential opposition, if we can get past Portsmouth, there'll be Charlton. We played them obviously first game of the season. And it's interesting, and Matthew's got the team up now, to have a look at our team and theirs. So we faced obviously, yes, on the
1: opening day, first Charlton. Our, start, our starting lineup was McLaughlin, Love, Luvens, OzTurk, Adam Matthews at left back. Luke O'Neill and Barley Mumba in the middle. Lyndon Gooch, Chris Maguire, and Josh Madger. O'Neill obviously came off at half time, was replaced by Jerome Sinclair, and who was in turn then replaced by Luke Molyneux. And interestingly, the, the bench was Oviedo, Baldwin, Sinclair, Ryder, Embleton, Hume, and Molyneux. Which, when you look at that team, which beat Charlton, who finished third, how have we almost regressed with, well we have regressed, with the signings that we've made since then. And also, just to mention, we thought we'd failed at a scratch side. Charlton named five substitutes, three of which have not played for the first team, I don't think this season after that, and have spent, uh, spent a campaign on loan at Concord Rangers, Hampton and Richmond Borough and Bromley. Charlton made no substitutions until the 90th minute and obviously we beat them Lee Boyer has managed to get that side from that position to finish third and the final stat for you was that Charlton fielded just three players who started their playoff semi-final in the previous campaign so a remarkable job by Boyer and it puts into perspective that yes It was a difficult situation at the beginning of the season for us, but we finished below a
0: side who named five substitutes on the opening day of the season. And let's not forget, when it comes to Charlton, I mean, to be honest, Boyer's done an incredible job. I think there were reports of them not even leaving lights on for administrative staff at one point to save money. And talk about ownership situations, you know, you've got to be thankful that ours got resolved. Because, I might say, I mean, we've not had it as bad as Charlton, but, you know, the, the short Bain situation was obviously horrific. But to follow on from Matthew's point, obviously, somehow, that team that, you know, it was just sheer character that got us over the line against Charlton in the last minute, really, somehow ended up losing the last two games of the season against Fleetwood and Southend away. And below that Charlton side... Um, I mean we we will be playing Portsmouth on Saturday so we'll actually start there and maybe come back to Charlton as hopefully a potential opponent in the in the playoff final. Obviously we've just played Portsmouth at home and drawn one one with them. What were your thoughts on that game, Matthew? The home game in the league, I thought we deserved to we deserve to win the game to be
1: honest. I don't know if that was more to do with them showing no real not not, not, not showing no desire to win the game, but they were certainly content with a point. I think they were happy for us to try and break them down. They were, seemed fairly content that we wouldn't do so again and, and came away with a point. I think it's a, we've, seen, we've seen them three times this season. We had, obviously, we had to beat them. We, we had the better of them completely in the first half of Wembley, for me. The game totally changed at half-time and then they looked a better side than us in the second half. And for me, they looked better than we did in the first half against us at Wembley
0: for me Um, I would agree with that it's also interesting to note that I think Portsmouth basically blew it by ostensibly playing what felt like playing for a draw against us maybe they were hoping to catch us on the counter I don't know when you look at their they finished as the top side away from home 45 points from 23 games which is actually a really good record and when me and Matthew did that running podcast uh, a few weeks ago one of the things we were talking about was they had home games and they might drop points. Well, they actually dropped more points than I would have expected at home. Had they maybe, you know, they came into the game against us having won seven in a row, they'd beaten us, albeit on penalties at Wembley. The momentum was with them, and I just thought, really, that draw it didn't really help us much after we'd drawn with Peterborough, but it didn't help them either. If they'd won that game, if they'd come out and really, and you know. Gareth had pointed out that Portsmouth are a second half team they score a lot of goals in the second half if they'd come out and won that game the momentum's with them they might go up automatically when you look at what's happened to Barnsley so now they find themselves they're not in as bad form as Sunderland but they're in poor form um, obviously you know I look, you look at it if you just look at, at our, our home record is unfortunately not that great compared to other teams in this division so we came fifth Below Doncaster on goal difference, but Portsmouth were the sixth best at home this season. Yeah, so I think having the home
1: leg first. Although it's, I mean, to be on, to to be brutally honest, no one envisaged we'd be in this position, having to play the home leg of the playoffs first three weeks ago when we beat Rochdale. But I don't think I think it's it's obviously could be a disadvantage but when you compare the home records I think I, I think both sides will be looking at could be looking at the away legs as to where, as to where they can win the, they can win the, the tie because you mentioned they've got the sixth best home form Portsmouth over, overall, overall, overall all season so we've got the fifth and we've probably got the two biggest crowds in the league They give or take and certainly, well, certainly the, probably the best support in the league is that something to do with not pressure but don't want to say expectation either but has that played on the minds of the players for both clubs maybe throughout the season
0: it's hard to say because actually I think it's been the most positive stadium of light I can remember for a while certainly compared to last season justifiably people were you know had given up but Obviously, with big crowds comes expectation. A lot of these players won't be used to playing in front of crowds like that. I mean, a lot of them at Sunland probably more than Portsmouth will be. Mind certain players, McGeady, yeah, yeah. um, people like that. But you know, they've had the backing. Oh
1: yeah, I'm not saying I'm not making like that point as if like the crowd have been a disadvantage. I just wonder if. If it's purely coincidental that like, there are there
0: are sides up there with worse support, then... Maybe the, the thing has been more the scalps. So teams have come and played at Portsmouth and Sunderland in a way that they haven't at other clubs. Because um, let's not forget, obviously, we're, we're talking about potentially the game being won in the away games. We've just lost <laughs> two away games in a row against a team that would have went down had we not lost and a Fleetwood team managed by Joey Barton who had nothing to play for. No, well no. were if you if
1: you look at them, if you if you just like sort of take a step back and think we've lost consecutive games to Fleetwood and South End. I think like even regardless of just, just the names of no like not being disrespectful, but just the just the names of of the clubs. Like no one you wouldn't have expected that this season, I don't think. And certainly Ender not, <laughs> ending the season with them two defeats is, is terrible really it's, it's just there's always there's always a team that takes takes a bad run of form into the playoffs and uh, I, I think it's, it could be it's unique in that there's two this season like Portsmouth have
0: stuttered badly well that is true about Portsmouth obviously they drew without Rinkton and had previously lost at home to Peterborough and I'm glad Peterborough didn't make it into the playoffs actually because they're a better team yeah, than Donker Don- uh, better than Donker Don- but, when you look at the overall form, just poor man away are the two teams. Portsmouth, have, over the last six games, have only lost one. Won three, drawn two. That puts them fourth in the table. If you expand that to eight games, the second, five wins, two draws and a defeat. Um, if you go further back to, to ten games, it's seven wins, two draws and a defeat. Sunderland, over the same period, 18th best over six games, which puts them below everyone else in the playoffs, including what I thought was an awful Doncaster. It's one win, two draws, three defeats. Two wins, three draws, three defeats, which is 13th best over eight, over ten. Slightly better, four wins, three draws, three defeats. When you think we'd only lost two games up until April, it's quite remarkable, really. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's like, it's a terrible, it's been an awful end of the season. Barring the Doncaster game recently, we've just, we've been... Terrible. Like Fleet. Uh, sorry, Peterborough. away we we played quite well, but it it's all it's just been the same story, though. Like the, we haven't we have started well, apart from yesterday, where we just didn't have anything do anything well. Um, we started well, haven't capitalized, and it, it it's just we then we've just fallen apart and lost or drawn the game, and it's it's just you need momentum going into the playoffs. Quite like for me because it's. I mean, I don't know how many games we've played this season. Well, a thousand games we've played this season. <laughs> so, they need something to carry them over the line, like because you're relying on like sh- like gut determination and to to kind of get you through the playoffs. It's a, it's a however you, you view it. It's a long season. It's a it's a tough season. The players have now got three extra, well, hopefully three extra games, and they, they need something to to kind of spur them on. And I just
0: we don't have that. We we we've lost we've lost all impetus uh, and it's interesting actually then thinking about it in terms of maybe that home pressure or away games so while we don't have the momentum we certainly don't really have it at home either so over the last four games won one drew on two lost one but Portsmouth similarly kind of not great at home Um, although better than us two wins one draw one defeat However, over eight games, we almost have identical records. They just have a better goal difference. So we've both picked up 15 points at home over the last eight games. Looking at away matches, Portsmouth haven't won three, drawn one over the last four. Whereas we are way down in 14th with one win, one draw, two defeats. I mean, even though Portsmouth have had a mini slump, our slump's so much worse. Like I say... If you just look at form over the last six games, which is really, that's your momentum period coming into the playoffs. We're worse off than Doncaster, and a team we beat comfortably a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah, well, is that 18th we are in the in the yeah, last six games? Yeah. And uh, Doncaster at 8th best. So that's almost sort of relegation form, really, you're taking into the playoffs. I mean, you're below like, Wimbledon, um, you're below Accrington, you're below... Like, you below Southend who stayed up on the last day. You got the same I mean it's Walsall got relegated. We've got the same form as them. Like it's so it is relegation form you're taking into the playoffs. We've There's <laughs> only us only us could do this really, isn't it? Um I don't know, it's it's sort of it feels like it all just petered out. It fizzled away after after the Coventry game. That was the moment where nothing worked we we scored four goals at home and lost to the team who'd scored the lowest amount of goals in in the league and I I think it's like the Portsmouth game I I think it's going to be so cagey I don't think we're going to see any of the like the Wembley game was really open and whether that was because it was almost a free hit really like the game at Wembley it was a trophy yeah it would be great if we won it but if you if you lose, you, you've you've lost a, a, a cup. You haven't won the Charity trophy. It's like both clubs are going to be desperate to get to the final, obviously. And I think there's going to be an element of just making sure, for, certainly on Saturday, that they, they don't lose the game
0: for both. And I think both sides will feel like that. Because South End, I believe, had one win in 17 who were played on Saturday. Um, and you think <laughs> so we've, we've managed to sort of contrive to lose that game and just mentioning what you did there about the Coventry game and obviously one of the big problems there was that 4-4-2 that he went with but I found I know this is getting into the nitty-gritty but I think it's kind of important when you talk about form and momentum and consistency now obviously we've got injuries and in there's players you probably even if they were just fitness on the, on the brink you want to like them all, maybe Honeyman but why why play four four two? there's no way you can play that against Portsmouth
1: it made no sense to, at all you're not you're not playing that in the playoffs so why not even if even if you haven't got the, like the the players available to play that you would ideally want against against Portsmouth or whoever it may have been at the time play the system you want to play against if you, if you lose yesterday like so sort of not experiment but if you use yesterday if you lose yesterday learning the system getting Getting a grips with the, with the shape that they want to play in the playoffs, fine. But you've lost the game playing a system that we're never gonna. We, we all know it doesn't work, and it looks rotten when it. Do, it we when we lost to um, Coventry playing 4-4-2, it looked terrible yesterday. It was it was laughable how bad it looked. It just it was so rigid and there's no movement. There's no there's no out ball because Wyke and Greg, the movement, Greg's movement yesterday was was non-existent he just wasn't there he's not fit and they don't they don't complement each other it's not as if oh we've got a it's not as if where well, you've got like a partnership a big striker a little striker they don't play like that Wike <laughs> has kind of had a, a decent run of form but it in a 4 it just makes them both look terrible like really average well bad
0: footballers and uh, and you compare both of them to potential. Say we get to the playoff final, which at the minute it do- <laughs> doesn't feel likely. But stranger things have happened. Yeah, well, the, the likelihood is we would play Charlton. Now they've got the striker we wanted, wanted in the summer, and he came up apparently and had a look around. I think. Um, and yeah. Lyle Taylor, and he didn't come. And their form is absolutely incredible. It's the top of the form table across. Uh, you know they've lost one in twelve. They're absolutely on fire. Now the remarkable thing with them is, and the one small glimmer of hope—if we do get that far, and we do play them—is that they did lose at Oxford randomly, and that they wouldn't have gone up automatically had they won it because of the goal difference. But they would have been level with Barnsley, which is an in- even more incredible. So maybe, maybe if they don't buckle under the pressure against Doncaster, do they buckle in the final? Well, hope so. Um,
1: yeah, because that that, um, that Oxford game the lost was on Good Friday, and I think that was when everyone was kind of. I think Boyer had come out and said, "Oh, we really want to put the pressure on the Sunderland and other teams above us," and almost created some pressure for the for a team that's probably been under no pressure all season because of the way they've they've been off the field. There can't have been much expectation there from the fan base. So I think he created that pressure himself, and then they went on to lose the game. So, that's like, a, obviously, there's no expectations for them, but now they're in the playoffs, it's going to be, well, we've finished third,
0: why can't we now go up? And here's a, a funny quirk for you. So, Charlton finished second in terms of home form, 53 points from 23 games. Away form, not as good, 635 points from 23 games. But oddly enough, when they played Doncaster, they drew in the away game 1-1, and they got beat at home 2-0. Now, that was way back in oh no that was an FA Cup game sorry second round FA Cup I'll keep flicking back and see if I can find what the result was when they played them in the league uh, they actually beat them 2-0 so I, I could see the playoffs going that way for them they could probably draw maybe at Doncaster and then probably win the home game comfortably in my opinion like, I, I just look back to our game at, um, at home there to Doncaster they were they were
1: rubbish uh, I'm. I find. Obviously, they're a different side at home, but they were just inept, toothless, really. And it, I, I, when you look at the, the t- some of the teams we've played this season, you wonder how they've managed to finish above above, the t- above Peterborough, who caused us problems in both games, and above Coventry, who, I mean, for again another side, another club with off-field issues. <laughs> Dong has to seem a fairly settled club off the field, so maybe that's that's something to do with it. Um, I just, I, I agree with you. I think Charlton will, will beat them reasonably comfortably. Certainly at home, uh, I think it's 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 the fourth and fifth. It's difficult to, I think it's difficult to call. Uh, neither side's got momentum, as we say, but I think it all. I think the first leg will. It's easy, obviously, it'll tell us a lot, but I think the performances and the, not the attitude, but the mentality that you can see, I think that'll show a lot um, in terms of who's going to who's gonna get a Wembley, to be
0: honest. It's actually, it's interesting looking at the, the form of these sides against each other, not just us. Obviously, yeah. of the teams, we beat Doncaster twice. It was a tougher away game than it was at home, but we took six points off them. That's the only team in the top six that we did take six points from. Um, we only took one point from Portsmouth we've obviously played them three times the first game we lost three, one was marred by the Leuven's red card Um, and then our games we didn't actually lose to Charlton despite them being the form team Portsmouth on the other hand lost to Charlton twice I think they certainly drew with Doncaster at home Um, I'm just trying to find out what their result was and the other fixture against Doncaster, which I might not be able to find. Trying to do this on the hops difficult while making this interesting to listen to. <laughs> um and basically they drew nil nil early in the season in August. So Portsmouth's record against the teams around them. Nothing to write home about apart from that win against us. And as you say, that's that was with a red card. And it was
1: nil nil before the red card. So and even also, Portsmouth have just lost to Peterborough as well, who finished seventh. So there's another there's another side near the top there. They I think they drew at home at Luton as well.
0: Uh, they beat Luton in one of the fixtures. Yeah.
1: Well, oh, oh, well, they must have beaten them at home then because Luton didn't lose at home. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, well, that's interesting. Charlton did do the double over Portsmouth. So. so they've lost twice to Charlton. That's interesting, that then, because that's obviously an indication of the bigger games and how sides have fared. We've we've obviously not lost to Charlton, we've lost to Portsmouth. But I don't know. It's I think it'll depend on how the players handle it to be honest. If play the play the game rather than sort of panic mode, we've got a
0: I dunno. It's just Well one thing we know for certain is this four four two thing it's gone it'll be he didn't play it against portsmouth in the recent home game didn't play it against them in the cup final and he won't be playing it again the key's going to be who's fit and available to play in which position now there was a point earlier in the season where katmor and Ledbetter looked like exactly what they are players who've never played in this division before they've just played at a higher level or most of their careers at much higher level and that would be the midfield pairing experience wise leadership but, at, you know, Ledbetter's been out of the team for weeks, didn't play well yesterday. Catamol, we know what he's like. Picks up an injury, takes him a few games to come back. You've got Honeyman, who has, up until recently, you know, barely even gets subbed off. He's got a great engine. He's been getting taken off. Wasn't involved yesterday. You know, Gooch, the scored the winner against Charlton at the beginning of the season, hasn't played well for five months. So it, there are... The, to me, uh, I'm sure this will be talked about on another podcast, but if I was to pick a team now, and depending on who's fit, of course, it would be McLaughlin in goal, I'd have Matthews at right back, no disrespect to 09, I just want a full back, a full back. Then I'd have, I think, probably Flanagan and Dunn. Dunn is obviously not popular with the manager for whatever reason. Hume probably at left back, I mean, that's a big ask for him, he's not played a lot of senior football catamole and lead bitter in the middle with honeyman then i'd probably have McGee and morgan wide and then i'd probably start with wyke and then be looking to bring gig on Greg, not gig grig on after uh, about 60 minutes depending on how it's going what do you think about that um yeah i'd, I'd have obviously
1: the keeper i'd play matthews because purely because he's the only right back we've got he was rotten yesterday though he's minging um, I would play. I would bring Dunn back in, but I'd, I'd leave Ozturk inside the um, Thought they did all right against Peterborough and Doncaster together at home. Didn't really see the need to change. I've not been Dunn's biggest fan, but I didn't really see the need to change it. To be honest, thought they did all right. They conceded one goal against the sides that finished sixth and seventh in consecutive games, and that was in the last minute. So um, I'd play them. I'd play. I'd play Oviedo right left back. He's fifth Thor Hume Doesn't look ready to me um, I'd play Catamon In the middle With power In front of them <laughs> What? Stop laughing <laughs> um, And then I would Play Morgan If he's fit though I don't know where he was yesterday And then I would play McGeady And Wyke because there is no alternative to playing White. because you can't play Greg. He's just not fit. He's not fit. It's, it's, it's a waste of time starting him. It just doesn't look right at all. You bring him on, if, but you gotta, Wyke will have to play. And he'll have to do better than he did yesterday. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for
0: you. So I. Well.
1: What of oh, no, uh, the, the team that started against Charlton on the opening day of the
0: season? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Sinclair, back. Yeah, Sinclair returns, Leuven's, You know what they're called? Yeah. Red card after 40 minutes. <laughs> love that. I don't know the fact that we're scratching around trying to sort of think about what his best 11 is and he doesn't really seem to know either Yeah,
1: 46 games in the league
0: and he doesn't we don't know what team to play I mean I think you could do a pretty good fist of picking your best midfield and wingers and you could easily you know say McGeady wasn't fit you'd just say oh Maguire comes in for him right okay that's fine or if Honeyman isn't fit Maguire comes in for him that's fine. but it's the back four and it has been all season I'm not buying into this though that He did stick with a settled back four for as long as he could, which involved playing Flanagan and Baldwin. He simply had to break it up because they conceded five goals against Coventry, although there were mitigating circumstances playing 4 4 2. The problem is, there's been nothing consistent since then. That's where it started. After those two games, the Peterborough and Doncaster games, for some reason the doubts have crept back in. Yeah.
1: So, you know what? You know what sort of worried me about the constant changing of the back four? You know when Simon Grayson... I'm not, by the way, I'm not comparing Simon Grayson to Jack Ross. But you know when Simon Grayson was just randomly making changes in the hope that something would eventually work, like he would change the goalkeeper every week, in the hope that this might work. Making changes for the sake of it, hoping that one of them was going to come off, isn't right. And that's what the centre-half issue seems like to me. And even the left-back to some extent just rant one week you play over here then Hume you know what we miss Reese James <laughs> I never thought like we do though because he's just he's a left back he's just a de- like he can defend he's okay going forward he's just fine like he's pro like he got not stick but been like wasn't great
0: for, for a while but he's been better than the other two <laughs> it's a uh... It's funny you mentioned Grayson, because for my mind it would be... uh, I've made this comparison before, and I I feel it still counts. But the Griggs signing to me is a bit like the Defoe signing for Poyet. Now, Defoe went on to have a really good Sunderland career under different managers, but Poyet had a way of playing, and he just could not work out how to get the best out of Defoe and I know there are mitigating circumstances with Greg but I don't feel like Ross knows how to get the best out of him and that's why he keeps changing to four-four-two 2 or other things he's trying to find a way now obviously Greg's played up front on his own for other teams but the, the, the key with Greg seems to me you hit him early and you hit him over the top that's where he's scoring his goals we aren't going to play football like that under Ross so part of the old, it's one thing begets another so obviously trying to get the best out of Griggs involved a bunch of other changes which have led to us conceding a ton of goals where we hadn't before and what it all comes back to me is Josh Madger leaving the club basically I mean I don't I don't know what the stats are in terms of points per game before and after and I don't really care we just looked like a much better team when he was in it I think that and like there were numerous times where he bailed us out And
1: we don't have a player anymore that can that can do that. You mentioned um, Defoe, Greg. So you signed Defoe, and he scored four goals in that season. When from the and Greg has scored four goals this season. So it's very even in terms of goals. It's it's similar, and it it is. It's it. Greg uh, Defoe probably played a few more games, but it it is. It's it's weird. Like he's evidently like a good player and has been a good player, but it's just he's he was not he's not the player we, we needed. Not for this. Not if you're going to change the system and play to him, yeah, fine. But we were evidently never going to do that because we don't have the other players really to to do it. And or the, or the manager doesn't
0: want to play that way. And then you've got White, who they've signed in the summer because they maybe didn't get. I know Stuart Donald says the top target was Greg in the summer, which to me. Is fair enough that obviously we're bold and ambitious They so wanted to bring in a player who's got pedigree at the level but then you think well we've seen the way Jack Ross sets his team up and if Jack Ross wanted the player as well which seems to be what Stuart Donald's indicating I'm a bit confused as to why Ross unless we're missing something completely would want a player like that who he seems to be really struggling yeah. to put in his team whereas I can see exactly why he would have wanted Lyle Taylor oh yeah mm-hmm. I think mean, so you
1: said like his top target was um Grigg. So then I don't know whether he was looking to bring two in, I don't know. But then see so he, he didn't get Will Grig, so his second choice was White. But he was a completely different player.
0: Like I d I don't it doesn't seem to quite add up that for me. The one thing going back to the summer that you would say is we just needed yeah, players. Yeah. I mean Magic was a stroke it wasn't He's a stroke,
1: st- really no one expected him to score seventeen goals or whatever he
0: got like and white would have been he was number nine he would have been the first choice striker um i mean when he came in and scored that back heeled goal he looked he looked a player and then he's just struggled with fitness and and actually he isn't a player who looks comfortable up front on his own he doesn't have the sort of mobility and footwork he can get around but not the type of mobility Major has he
1: doesn't eat, like madger was like uniquely gifted in the in the way that he could find space in the box that no one else could, find, even Greg, like for all, Greg's been in them positions and
0: missed the chances, like. And wow. that comes with pressure as well, with playing for a club like Sunderland compared to say Wigan, you know, and and that's something now to sort of finish on, I suppose, because that is pertinent, because these are two of the biggest games of these players' careers. Now they might have been in this position for other clubs, but not for a club the size of Sunderland in
1: this division like we have to get
0: out of this division like it's you know the, the pressure absolutely is on and and we've just got to hope that you know Ross can can get the dressing room together and not just do it because management isn't just about tactics it's about about putting a rocket up a player when he needs it or putting an arm around one and and we don't know what goes on in the dressing room, but we've got to hope that you know some of these players have been called out for the inept performances that they've put in. Because Ross, yes, he needs to look at himself, but he, one, of, one or two of these players have let themselves down as yeah. well.
1: Yeah, they have. Like the performances lately, they just haven't they haven't been good enough. and They haven't been good enough. From without, like naming players again, it's just it's across the board really. Like generally, the, yesterday's performance was was one of the worst performances I've seen. Yeah, it's the last game of the season. Yeah, arguably there wasn't too much to play for but there was though because now look where we are now look what's happened we'd have won that game yesterday we'd have played Doncaster at home second for a place in the playoff final like we lost the game somehow against Southend who by the way were miles better than us and deserved to win the game not because they were good just because the we just, like, we just it was just lethargic there was no sort of there was nothing really. It just—it it, it felt like, like a continuation of the second half performance against Fleetwood, in that there was for me. It, it's like just from—I was in the awareness, though, and I could barely see it to be fair, <laughs> um, for a number of reasons. But yeah, it just—it it, just—it just feels like we've lost our way at the wrong time, and almost to kind of predict something now. I can't see us getting past
0: Portsmouth um, I think we'll we'll draw both games and it'll go to penalties and we'll probably lose on penalties is my feeling uh, oh no is Catamull going to miss the penalty again he'll probably be injured <laughs> yeah. um, to be fair to Catamull and that penalty against Portsmouth he clearly put his hand up. Oh, but not- meanwhile I know you're not having a take but there was a centre forward there who didn't take one, and the captain, who was an attacking midfielder, who scored you know a number of goals this season, he didn't take it either. Um, I've just got a feeling in, well, there's nothing between those two teams. I think we're the better football side, but they've got more of that. The kind of they've got that like edge to them.
1: they're physically stronger. Like they just look like they could dominate. Not the game, but they could could dominate the game, but not in a footballing way. Like they'll they'll referee
0: the game. Absolutely, and I think they've got centre backs who know what they're they're kind of. They're streetwise in a way that ours just simply aren't. You know who really is quite streetwise? Doesn't win all of his aerial battles, but he gets away with a lot. Almost like he knows the division he's playing in is Oz Turk. He's always pulling shirts and stuff, and none of the others have got that nasty streak.
1: No, well, you look at (laughs) watch Oz Turk, and you think. I was you not know, giving a foul for that, but they're not fouls just because the other we're not used to seeing the centre halfs do it. Like I mean, one of the, like the one against Doncaster wasn't, <laughs> but got away with it though, didn't he? And how many times like on on White yesterday there was a couple where he, yeah we got the penalty, but there was it happened two or three times, and the referees they're not going to give
0: everyone, they're just not. And Portsmouth manhandled White yeah? uh, recently in the one-one, and you you know I think <sighs> there's a, there's a psychological battle there to be one, isn't there in And like you say, looking at the form, no-one would be betting on Sunderland to go up at this point. you would be mad there, really. But then, all it takes is a regroup and Ross to just go back to what he knows. And we won't won't lose the way we've lost at Fleetwood and we've lost at Southend if he puts out the right team that he has put out for the majority of the season. So I think we'll sign off for that and just say, (laughs) it sounds really simple, but if Ross sticks to what he knows give ourselves at least half a chance of finding some form going into that game. Right, thanks for listening.